0: This episode of MBSing is sponsored by Iron Galaxy. Scream like a school kid with Capsule Force, an intergalactic retro anime multiplayer game now available on PS4 and Steam. Capsuleforce.com. I'm your host Mary Beth Smith. My guest today was Lisa Burton and she talks to me about her love of science. Lisa and I have known each other kind of peripherally in the Chicago comedy community for a bit but we are on the verge of working on a new project together and this was such a delightful way for us to get to know one another better and we could not have been more uh, excited to realize that we had some similar background in terms of um, both of us went to school for science while also doing a lot of theater and we get into that herein in detail and uh, I think it was so much fun to hear about the ways that Lisa's experience in life has been influenced by her scientific studies and the things that she's done since then as a result and it was <laughs> it's kind of crazy to hear some really similar things that I've thought and felt in the past just reflected back at me um, in such a, an interesting way to know that we had had um, these common experiences. And I'm really excited that this was kind of the beginning of a friendship as far as I can tell. Um, so you guys get to hear it. Um, I would love to encourage you to check out Lisa's uh podcast project from last October called the Scare Blast Podcast. It, she um, watched and interviewed uh, another member of the community each day of the month of October. Uh, and th- They watched a different horror movie together. So it's all horror movie based. Um, it was something that she uh, came out of her love of horror films and just kind of wanting to see what a project like that looked like. And uh, I think that really was apparent when she starts to talk about the way that she uh, tackles a creative project with an analytical scientific um, thought process. Uh, If you are looking for something else in the podcast realm to explore, might I suggest some other shows in the Chicago podcast co-op. The Blastro Podcast is a pretend science show hosted by a horrible doctor from the Italian Renaissance, Dottore Bolodoro and his guests explore new science topics every episode. Blastro Podcast. Let us experiment with yourself. I think it's also worth mentioning that you should check out Talking Games, uh, which is Tim Dunn, Clayton Marterson, and Kellen Terrett teaming up with special guests to discuss their thoughts and feelings on the world of video games. I bring this up as Tim Dunn, past guest of MBSing, is the significant other of Lisa. And, uh, it's so fun to, uh, have gotten to, um, experience both sides of that coin now on the show. And, uh, I just remember when Tim was on the show talking to him about relationships and things like that and, uh, kind of getting to spend some time with Lisa just seeing that uh what a delightful pair they are it was so much fun for me as a host and person and i even give him a little uh hypothetical guff at one point during the show, but I'll uh, let you experience that for themselves. Man, what a joy this conversation was. I can't wait for everyone to listen to it. If you enjoy this or any of those other Chicago podcast co-op shows that I recommended, go on to iTunes, rate them, review them, share them with your friends. It's the best way for us to reach other people is by the people who listen, encouraging others to experience those fun things for themselves. Lisa is a great advocate for that, and I would love for others to follow her lead. Uh, Every Thursday night at 9.30, I have a show at the Annoyance Theater called The Fishbowl. I love it very much. I love the people that I perform with in that show very much, and I would encourage, if you want to see me improvise, to come to that. Or, if you'd like to improvise yourself, there's an opportunity for that, too. Just bring a student ID of any kind from any theater, expired or not. I don't care. Come put it in the fishbowl and get a chance to play. That's it. I think that's all I have. I enjoy this conversation about science. Here we are. Um, Okay. I'm just going to launch. Yeah. Because otherwise it would be a failure. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) That is a terrible rom-com joke. uh my guest today is lisa burton and uh she's going to talk to me about her love of science yeah and i couldn't be more excited (laughs) because we're gonna just be able to jam and talk about our experiences yeah man ladies in science
1: i love science
0: so do i dude uh what would you say was the origin of your love for science
1: yeah great question well when I was 11 years old, <laughs> you're yes. uh, a small Lisa Burton, who, <laughs> like every young girl, wanted to be a marine biologist. Sure. And actually, was I 11? No. I was in fifth grade. What is fifth grade? Uh, That's 11. 10, 10 or 11. 10 or mm-hmm. 11. 10. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went to Florida for the first time with my grandmother as you do as you do and uh my grandma my grandmother's sister had a like a lake house out but not a lake house it was an ocean house i grew up in minnesota so you understand every- <laughs> everything is about a lake <laughs> every house Every house on the water is a lake
0: house. I have to to assume that you saw that wonderful Colbert thing that... uh, Oh, Maria and uh, Ariel Ariel put up, of course. Yeah, it was great. My favorite was
1: the reference to hot dish, which is a real thing. I didn't actually realize that people elsewhere outside of Minnesota don't say words like hot dish or... um, what was the other one i love so much that people were like what is that
0: yeah this is this is why i brought it up because i watched it and i was like this is hilarious this would be ridiculously hilarious to someone who is actually from Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, it's
1: very fun. Oh, a pan of bars. They didn't say that on there, pan but
0: pan of bars. Yeah.
1: Well, see, is that
0: like a snack bar type? Thing? What am yeah. I? <laughs> no, it's like. Uh... <laughs> Where are you from? I'm from South Carolina. South
1: Carolina. So it's like if I showed up and I was like, yeah, uh, Mary Beth Smith, I'm gonna bring a pan of bars. You know, like a pan of lemon bars or right. a pan of brownies or right. a, pan of, a pan of bars. <laughs> But it's banana bars, <laughs> and that, that's is what that is so
0: funny and weird and specific. Yeah. Or like Ludafisk. Have you
1: ever had Ludafisk?
0: No. So that's a decidedly... I thought that was a rapper. It's a...
1: <laughs> <laughs> She's in comedy, folks. Oh boy. <laughs> oh god. Yeah. <laughs> 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 my parents are really gonna appreciate that joke oh good um lutefisk is a it's a cod and you salt it and you or it's a fish you can take you can take most fish and call it lutefisk usually but it's a norwegian traditionally okay. norwegian dis- dish and you like salt the hell out of it and uh-huh. you cure it so you leave it out for a long period of time uh, and then you straight up eat it. And, and I was just saying,
0: that's the only way that it's cooked.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's like cooked. Um, that sounds
0: delicious. Yeah,
1: a lot of people really find it disgusting just because yeah, it like, sits out or right. whatever. Or whatever but
0: yeah, I mean, I think we just got to get past all these hangups we have about the way that we expect food to be prepared. Because right? I think food is delicious in lots of different ways, and I would eat the mess out of some Ludafisk. Yeah, right. <laughs>
1: Next time I show up, I'm going to bring you a hot dish, a lutefisk, and a pan of bars. Yes. Okay.
0: I, before this conversation, didn't know what any of that meant. All right. Hot dish is just like potluck, right? What is yeah, hot?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like uh, like the sort of the traditional uh, Minnesota hot dish is the tater tot hot dish, right? So it's just like you have uh, meat. Uh, some kind of like ground beef, uh-huh. uh, and then a couple of cans of cream of mushroom soup uh, and then like uh, a casserole. Yeah. Like a casserole. Yeah. And okay. then you top it off with tater tots. this hot dish. That sounds amazing. <laughs> or like really hot anything dish. that has any amount of like ground beef and cream of mushroom soup. It's a hot dish. <laughs> <laughs> you can put all sorts of shit on top of that. That's so funny. It's, great. it's so specific.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, it wasn't a lake house because you weren't actually in Minnesota. Yeah.
1: Back to <laughs> let me take you back to Florida when I was nine. <laughs> so we were at this, um, this ocean house. What do you call it? Like a beach house. house. Yeah, beach. Oh, there we go. A mm-hmm. beach house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> An ocean house. Mm-hmm. Uh, and
0: um, <laughs> well, that's like in South Carolina when I was growing up. It people didn't say they were going on vacation, they'd say, we're going to the beach. Like, no one, and, like, it just, that was just what people said. Like, we're going to the beach this weekend. Like, I remember going through school and being like, does everyone really go to the beach that much? (laughs) And I think sometimes people were just going to lakes, but they would say – to the beach and then oftentimes people really were just going to the beach because it's the biggest tourist attraction in you know that part of the country
1: well when we went on vacation we always called it up north (laughs) hilarious yeah so it was like and because most of the lakes were up north i grew up in rochester minnesota just like southeast minnesota Mm -hmm. so we go up north to the lake go up north um (laughs) but yeah so we were out on this beach By the ocean and there's this long pier dock thing, but the dock was near the water. So it wasn't, I guess, a a proper pier or whatever, but it was down near the water and, uh, and there were dolphins swimming and it was beautiful. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is a, I'm nine years old and my mind is being blown right now. Sure. Yeah. I've only ever seen these in Lisa Frank. And so this was hilarious. Incredible. (laughs) And so, um, so I guess like just the vastness of the ocean when I was nine, I was like, this is Beautiful and amazing. That was, was that
0: the first time you'd ever seen the ocean? Oh
1: yeah, yeah. And so, um, yeah, I just fell in love with it. And you know, looking down into the water, and you could see all the shells and all the like everything that was going on down yeah. there. Like, what is
0: happening? It's totally un, uncharted. You know. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and, yeah. It was. It was amazing. So that that my love for that grew. And then, that trip was only a week long, and it was just me and my grandmother. And then I got back, or my grandmother and I. I got back from my grandmother you're and me. My grandmother and me. That's how you say that. Me, no, yes. I wouldn't say I. Because
0: you would say it was just me. Me. It yeah. was
1: just my grandmother and me. Anyway, yes. so I got you're, back.
0: You're a better woman than I for even trying to <laughs> parse all that out.
1: I am. Um, I hate when my coworkers right now are. My coworkers are. I don't want to say terrible with grammar, but they're not great. Sure. So, today was a rough one <laughs> for my coworkers today. So, all I can think about is whether or not it's speaking uh, correctly. Now
0: it's making you hyper aware. I think I'm much more aware of it when I'm writing than when I'm speaking. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um,
1: so, I got back home. My mom had heard how much I loved the ocean while I was on my trip. Mm-hmm. And so, by the time I had gotten home, my Uh-oh. mom had changed the carpet in my room, had changed the wall color in my room. And put, and my family is like an all or nothing, and we do it on the cheap. So my mom had gotten blue carpet, blue paint for the walls, and had stapled netting, like oh my fisherman's gosh. netting, to the ceiling, and put like Little, uh, stuffed animal oh fish in the inside. And so I walked into my room at fifth grade and like had an ocean room and it was the best fucking thing of my whole life that's so
0: sweet it was incredible so um how mind-blowing and fun would that be what a great parent move yes my parent (laughs) all or nothing my parents are great (laughs) that's so sweet um so it was great so
1: that coupled with the fact that I had one of those um gosh I had one of those wildlife books that was all fish so, I used to just page through it. It was like a child's encyclopedia, mm-hmm. but it was just all ocean creatures. And so, I used to page through that. And, like, my favorite one, of course, is an anglerfish because those are big and scary looking. Love it. And, um, yeah. So, so I just had this fascination with everything ocean. So, when I grew up, I was like, I'm going to be a marine biologist. I'm going to do this. I'm going to be a marine biologist. And sure. So, I... But growing up in Minnesota, like, I didn't have... <laughs> like much to work with there, sure, um, nor yeah. did my family have a lot of money growing up, so we didn't like go to the coasts mm-hmm. ever mm-hmm. um, and so by the time I had gotten to college, um I had only really been to the ocean that one time <gasps> oh. and uh, but I knew that I wanted to be a marine biologist, Man. and so i and I was dating a boy Hello. at the time, yes, um. And we had been dating. We were high school sweethearts. We're gonna talk. We're gonna end up talking about love anyway. Yes. Uh, we were high school sweethearts. It was inevitable. Yeah. And I was on my way to college. My parents were taking me to college, and he asked me to marry him. <gasps> and I said yes.
0: Oh. My gosh.
1: And so I started college married to a boy and I wanted to go to a college near where he was. so I went to a Minnesota college. By the way, the Ivy League of the Midwest. Uh, uh, the what school? University of Minnesota in Morris, Minnesota. Okay, all right. Uh, <laughs> school of like two thousand people or something. But
0: you guys got like legitimately got married.
1: We got engaged. Right.
0: Okay. So we yes. got en-
1: we were engaged. That's and, what I
0: thought. Okay. Mary Beth
1: Smith, I was straight up engaged for a month of my college career.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Before um, you were like, ooh, I overestimated yeah. what this was. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <Yes>. <laughs> now, to be fair... <laughs> <laughs> to be yeah, that's
0: fair, hilarious. Uh,
1: that guy is great. First okay. of all, sure, and he uh, we disengaged, <laughs> disengaged, and then we still dated for like two years after that.
0: Okay, that's good. It's so, good that you were able to kind of be like, whoa, 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 we should step back. Um, mm-hmm. That's very responsible of you. We were really In, responsible e- eventually. <laughs> <Yes>.
1: <laughs> so, um. But I went to this school in the Midwest, and I wanted to be a marine biologist, so I had, like, created a degree. Like, I wrote up, because you could write in a degree. Yeah. So I did that, um, which meant that I had to take, like, all the ecology courses— all the lakes ecology courses, all the, which was amazing for me. Like, I loved sure. all it of was. That. I'm
0: sure it was still super interesting, just yeah. not totally pertinent to actually wanting to become a marine biologist. Right. Yeah.
1: So, and then I had planned to take a semester in Cairns, Australia, uh, which is right on the coast next to the Great Barrier Reef. It's where Ugh. they have all those big... Um, stations where you can go underwater you can spend a few weeks underneath like holy underwater in the great barrier reef and like oh my god um, i didn't do that and i'll tell you why because i loved a boy oh no (laughs) i know a different one a different one Lisa,
0: Ooh. so the traveling abroad that I did, I just feel like I should go ahead and say, "Tim Dunt, do not stop <laughs> Lisa from following her dreams. <laughs> <laughs> Let us gonna please. call him out right here." <laughs> Oh, I've grown up let's, let's, be, let's be real I'm in my early
1: 30s Okay, I've sure, so sure, like, sure, 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 grown sure. up a little yeah, bit
0: yes yes I just wanted to <laughs> I wanted you to be able to go to Australia
1: <laughs> I look back on me and I wish that I had gone to Australia I think. but uh, that said but you loved a boy I loved a boy and I so I ended up uh double major I also meanwhile while all of that like I was planning this trip to Australia that never happened and I also fell in love with the theater program because I went to such a small school it's a liberal arts college I was able to double major in biology and theater Lisa
0: we (laughs) are the same I can't like I also went to a liberal arts college I didn't double major but I was a chem major and All of my extra time was in the theater department. Ah. Every one of the theater professors wanted me to double major, but I just like didn't quite have space for it in my, um, you know, what I needed to take. But I took like eight theater classes. I was in a show almost every semester. I was in the improv group. This We Amazing. are same. We are the same person. Okay, so tell me, did you... Um, I love
1: that. Me too. Did you... Uh, what What school did you go to? I
0: went to Furman University and, in Greenville, South Carolina.
1: Oh, I love Greenville.
0: I love I did, Greenville
1: too. They have the BMW test track yes. in Greenville, South Carolina. Yes, yes. Yeah. Let me tell you, I, w- I am really embarrassed that I'm about to say this out of my mouth. <laughs> I... Did a Sears Auto, a uh, series of Sears Auto commercials. Hilarious. Online, you can find them on the web. On the online oh, webs, definitely um, gonna write that down. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, but what's really fucking cool about that is that I got to drive BMWs around on that test track. That's
0: so cool. It was
1: dope as hell. Are
0: you like a car enthusiast at all, or was it just like well, a, a sweet thing that you got to do as a result of doing these?
1: You know, I don't know that I'd call myself a car enthusiast. I don't not know about cars, okay. and I say that saying uh, my um, Paul Dad, who is technically my stepdad, but he raised me. He's my Paul Dad. Aww. He um, he's a car hobbyist, so okay. he builds hot rods. Awesome. So I have a working knowledge of brands, types, styles, Very uh, years, cool. like of cars. Okay, so I have like a, a basic working knowledge. I also like have a basic working knowledge of an engine of a car. Awesome. Right. So Uh um
0: much more than I could say probably. Maybe. Uh, I know a bit about the science that goes into how an engine works. (laughs) Chemist over here. (laughs) Uh, We talk about combustion engines engines (laughs) engines. (laughs) <laughs> we got some straight up combustion
1: <laughs> get some carbon in this motherfucker <laughs> uh,
0: but yes exactly that is Greenville that's where I went to school it's a wonderful city um, best city in South Carolina uh, to live in probably um, <laughs> Charleston She's is a lovely right city <laughs> sure. um, but I wouldn't say I'd rather live in Greenville than live in Charleston but Charleston is probably the best like Tourist type city, si- like okay. destination city in South Carolina. Okay. It don't go anywhere in between. <laughs> Just yeah. like pick, pick one or the other. <laughs>
1: Greenville, also, if I'm not mistaken, has a miniature version of uh, the Green Monster from. The, is that right? Yes,
0: because their uh, baseball team. The, that's what you're talking about, yes, right? yeah. Yeah, their baseball team is a subsidiary of the Red Sox, yes. the Greenville Drive. Yes. They used to have uh, dollar nights on Thursdays yes. for college students. Hell and yeah. you could go and get a cheap-ass ticket for, like, less than $10, and all the beers and all the hot dogs were a dollar all night
1: yeah if you are ever facebook trolling you'll find photos of me in that stadium with like a huge plate of uh like an elephant ear yes. or whatever i was eating yes. they had fennel cakes funnel cakes or yes. whatever they were yes crazy yes fennel yes. cakes are very different than yeah i was cakes, gonna say way, fennel everybody... <laughs> cakes
0: not so much funnel cakes yes <laughs> uh but also they gonna make your tummy hurt yeah <laughs> that's my experience with funnel cakes they'll be delicious and you'll feel awful for okay, a quick, day
1: let's quick list things that'll make your tummy hurt funnel cakes you go drinking
0: too much juice
1: Yep. so many sour patch kids you go
0: um the sweet potato fries at sheffield's yeah
1: eating more than one tea that you put like two scoops of honey in <laughs> so many things made
0: tummy <laughs> <hurt>. <laughs> uh, um,
2: <laughs> I loved that yeah, I'm that really glad that you <laughs> yeah
1: oh man yeah a lot of things have made my tummy hurt too lately <laughs> um, so yeah so you went to that school. What uh-huh. is it called?
0: Furman. F-U-R-M-A-N. Furman.
1: And that's a, is that also a liberal arts college? Correct. How many people go to that
0: 2,700.
1: Dang. So it's about the same size. I was going to ask. Look at us. Look at so us. Just funny. a couple of peas in a pod. I
0: love this already. In a
1: podcast. Peas in peas a podcast. Peas
0: in a podcast. <laughs> you're a comedian (laughs) (laughs) writing that down (laughs) um
1: yeah so so you're so but okay and what was your improv team called
0: it was called improvable cause yes it was and our logo was uh i and an exclamation point in a C because we when we spelled it out we would put an exclamation point after improv <laughs> within the word. It predated me being in it. But at the same time, I loved I would like we had I C stickers, like we I would write I C in like the corners of my like class notes and stuff. Yeah like, dude. I loved it.
1: Ugh love it. Yeah. The improv team at our school was like Being formed at the time that I was there. So when Mm -hmm. I was a freshman, there was a senior that was doing his senior project as a um, as a as an improv team. So that cool. was his senior project. That's he so created cool. an improv team. He called it Improv Sport with an exclamation point. Um, it's
0: a lot of exclamation points <laughs> yeah. in short form college improv teams. Yes. But we And a lot sold- of puns using the word improv.
1: Yes. <laughs> totally. Uh, but we sold out houses. It's like a real thing. By
0: by my junior year, mm-hmm. we were huge.
1: Ugh. Yeah. It's crazy.
0: It was so fun. Yeah. It's I, I mean, so that's why I live here, probably, it was yeah. between doing that and um, doing theater and just loving every second of it and, like, taking the classes and stuff, and I had the head of the department there at Furman was this incredibly influential man mm-hmm. in my life, and he was very much, like, my second mentor, like, he was kind of like my... I had an academic mentor in the chem department who was yeah. also an incredible person, and I had a research advisor in the chem department who was a great person, but he was, like, my spiritual <laughs> mentor, yeah, dude. and he was so great because he never, ever tried to dissuade me from being a science major. Yeah. He always was encouraging, and, like, after he was encouraging, he'd be like, but, like, just so you know, you know, if you ever wanted to come be a a theater major (laughs) we would never turn you away you know but he was so and I've since talked to him because we still keep in touch and I've Mm -hmm. since talked to him and even he admits from with him being the head of a theater department he's like I think you did exactly the right thing like I think that you you know doing the science major and having the theater stuff be something that you also did because you loved it and you know even though right now what you want to be doing the most is the performance stuff I still just think that you know because he spent all this time after he graduated from school in New York bussing tables and like being gross and exhausted and he's like and I'm sure you know working the job you do isn't ideal but at the same time I'm just like glad that you're doing that and not trying to just use a theater degree. And I was like, thanks. I needed that. Like, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's great. He's a good man.
1: Yeah, man. Yeah. Our, but that um, was kind
0: of my experience anyway.
1: Yeah. Our, it's been about 10 years since I graduated college now and I, my, college professor recently posted on Facebook and was like, hey we're doing a poll just like what is everybody doing now uh-huh and it was so cool to look and be like oh these people and you know I graduated the theater class that I graduated with were only like six people mm-hmm. so it was like I it got was really see, similar at Furman yeah so it's, it's like, gotten a
0: lot bigger since we left but it yeah, was, was too I think yeah. yeah.
1: But yeah, it was really cool to just see what everybody's doing now, and a lot of people aren't necessarily doing theater full-time anymore, but mm-hmm. they're doing maybe theater in the afternoons, or theater yeah. at night, or community theater, or whatever they're doing to fit it in their schedule, which I think is great.
0: I totally relate to that. Yeah. Pretty much everyone, especially the people that I would still keep in touch with and know their whereabouts and what they're doing, um, is still doing stuff in some capacity in, in our department. Was really good about trying to teach people the professional skills of theater as well, and trying to create really well-rounded, like performers. And um, I think a lot of people were able to kind of discover other passions within the world of theater as a result of that. Totally a liberal arts thing to do and say. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Like advertising. No, totally. That's great. Yeah, and same. I mean, it was like I. I thought, going to a liberal arts college is the best fucking thing you can totally do for agree. yourself. Totally agree. It's great. Um, what about the people in your science class? Like, did they...
0: So, almost everyone that I, uh, you know, was friends with or did something with went on to school somewhere else. Yeah. And that was, like, when I decided that I moved to Chicago. Mm-hmm. Was when other people were, like, applying for grad schools and med schools uh, and pharmacy schools. And I... Just did not think I could do it. Yeah. I just realized I don't want to keep doing this in this way enough to dedicate the next X number of years of my life to continuing to go to school. And you're a chemist. Yeah.
1: So what did you... what? inspired you to be a chemist?
0: Like I wanted to be, you're turning this around on me. Yes well, I have been talking a lot and I'm going to turn it back around after I answer this question because I don't like it. <laughs> 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 I wanted to be a forensic chemist. Uh, I was really, when I was in fifth grade I wanted to be like a paleontologist because I just liked digging in holes and, uh, yeah. and dinosaurs and stuff. Yeah. Um, and And history and like the idea of finding discoveries like that was so fascinating to me. Um, but kind of as I got older, chemistry became uh, I don't know more interesting, sexier, and then CSI. Oh, I was, was going to say the bane of your existence. Oh no! Of- <laughs> <laughs> I, it's funny because I I I think this is not uncommon with people who either lean biology or chemistry. Yeah, uh, that they don't there's not often a big crossover. Right. I don't like biology. Like <laughs> I it was it was more the bane of my existence. Like my macro biology class in high school. I went to a math and science high school. Um, all right, fancy pants. Uh, I'm such a nerd. <laughs> um, but my, my macro class, like, we had to learn about all the like vertebrates and like mm-hmm. all of these really specific things about birds. And I was like, this, it was just only so interesting to me. It was hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but my microbiology class, I crushed because it was all like cellular level things that are so much more to me, you know, chemistry related, you know? Yeah. Um, so that was definitely a a moment where I was like, yes, I am, and and my chemistry classes I really enjoyed. So I was like, okay, my interests are in the right place yeah. at least academically so far. Um, but around like eighth grade, where I kind of started learning about the different like facets of science, uh-huh. I always liked science overall. But once I kind of started separating things into you know physics and chemistry and biology. Etc. cetera, I was like, oh man, chemistry just seems really cool. Mixing this stuff together, finding out what stuff is made up of, um, was also when CSI became inordinately popular. Yeah, dog. And every time people found out that I, cause I did community theater and stuff like that when I was growing up. Yeah. So everyone would be like, oh, my gosh, you should be on CSI. And I'd be <laughs> like, that would be really cool. I don't think that's how that works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You should work for them. And uh, so when I was applying to schools, I looked at some programs that had undergraduate forensic degrees. Uh-huh. And I think I'm really, really glad that I landed where I did as opposed to doing something else like that. Because, yeah. again, it's like it goes back to getting a liberal arts Education yeah. as opposed to getting like a very specified, specific forensic chemistry degree totally. from like a state university. Doesn't
1: that feel kind of bonkers and like it really a little does. bogus how yes. we really like pinhole people into these things? Because here's the fact of the matter. I'm a double major because I love... Everything. Like, yeah. I love topics. Yeah, like, yeah. That you is... had trouble
0: narrowing down what you wanted to talk about. I yeah. did. Like, yeah. I just
1: really, like, love experiences, and I love new experiences. Mm-hmm. And so, and I love, like, Renaissance scientists who got to do everything. Yeah. Like, why can't right? I just do everything yeah, like that? Yeah, like, yeah. I love that. And, in fact, I, um. so, this morning, I got done reading um a play called Photograph 51. Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't. Do you know who Rosalind Franklin is?
0: I do because someone recently... Do you know Julian Muller? No. She talked to me about Rosalind Franklin recently because she is joining CLAW, the Chicago League of Lady Arm Wrestlers, and she wanted her character to be Rosalind Cranklin, and no one knew who it was. Because those bastards, Watson and Crick, yeah. stole all her ideas. Yeah. That's my her, understanding.
1: Yeah, and fucking Maurice Wilkins, her partner, like, sold her out. So Really? Yeah. That's, this is what
0: Photograph 51 is about?
1: Well, Photograph, yes. Yes and no. So, okay. Photograph, I have, so I just got done reading it this morning, and I have a lot of problems with it, because I read, I have a couple of books on Rosalind Franklin, me too, and Rosalind Franklin is this incredible... Woman in science history, for those of you that don't know, here's my soapbox and I'm getting up on it. I'm so, have to
0: tell Julian about this. She's gonna lose it.
1: Yeah, so I when I did claw, I was the simple machine.
0: I thought you had done it before, but I wasn't yeah. positive. The simple yeah. machine.
1: Yeah. That's so great. Yes. It's uh, so funny. And I had like these dope ass pulley uh earrings that a friend of mine made for me. Awesome. And like I was you can look me up on the face, Bees. Awesome. I was a monster. Awesome. Um, and I was a heel. I got to be a heel, too, because, like, I, because uh, I was no good, but I was great at losing. And so. Hilarious. It was so fun. Gosh, what a fun organization. I think I'm
0: going to, I think, hearing that Jillian was doing it, like, kind of lit a fire under me. I think I'm going to try to do it at some point.
1: Do it. If you need a manager or want one, I'm totally willing to be your manager. Hell, yes. Let me know. Very um, good to know. So. Uh, Rosalind Franklin is a scientist of the, um, early 1900, like 1930 to 1950. She was real active and mm-hmm. she, um, was one of, uh, she was the woman who took the actual crystal, uh, radiography pictures of, the double helix. So cool. she was the one that solidified and had visible proof that it was in fact the shape a of helix. a double helix. Holy shit! Because before that, they were like they thought that it was just uh, kind of a blob of of uh, phosphates and um
0: lipids. and proteins and lipids. What yeah, is it? phosphate. Lipid, yeah, nitrogen the, base.
1: Right. <laughs> there we go. Hey, science. Um,
0: That's bio, man. Yeah, but it is small bio so it's easier for me to wrap my brain around. Yeah,
1: and really <laughs> weirdly. Yeah, and and weirdly at that at that level it's chem chemical mm-hmm. like it's all chemistry. Exactly. So for you of course. Yeah, I be-
0: my degree was just a chemistry degree mm-hmm. uh, and I had to take a couple of extra physical chemistry degrees yeah. um as a result, but if we also had a biochemistry degree at Furman which I did not do because I didn't (laughs) want to have to take any bio classes yeah so there were also so instead of taking biochemistry classes I took physical chemistry classes which was the absolutely the right choice for me because my roommate would be learning like all of the proteins like all of them and I was just like fuck, I'm so glad I don't have to do that. Yeah. And now I don't use it at all, but I do use a lot of things that I, you know, learned in physical chemistry, which totally. worked out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the I failed organic chemistry twice before I finally fucking passed. Oh, chem is so hard. It's the worst. It's so hard.
0: And I don't I... like having to memorize things. Sure. I like just learning things. And I understand... That you're supposed to be able to learn all these patterns and rules, but it's just like English. There's all these exceptions and you just have to memorize them and it's hard.
1: It is hard. (laughs) It's hard until you're in a lab working with something specific that you're like, oh, this is applicable. To
0: true, wrong, frere.
1: And it's like you, what I loved about biology is that I could step outside and be like, Oh, I know exactly how the photosynthesis is working in this plate of grass or like I know exactly how the anthocyanins are turning the leaves colors on the trees in the fall. Like I know exactly how things are working sure. and how they work together. So, I I that's I love that about biology. Mm-hmm. Um and how yeah, just how applicable everything is. Similarly, chemistry is applicable in a totally different dimension that mm-hmm. I Cannot even begin to try and understand. Yeah. Um, back to Rosalind Franklin. Please. Uh, glad we got back here. So <laughs> she is this incredible I woman. I love
0: this. I don't even have to host. Yeah. You're a great host. <laughs>
1: um, she's so great. She, um, so she and, uh, Maurice Wilkins were paired up at King's college in London after a num after her having gone through a number of different colleges, uh, being a professor or a a graduate student at colleges that did not allow women in the lunchroom. Like, so this was in the, yeah, like in the 30s, 40s, and 50s. Mm -hmm. Um, She was a Jewish woman uh, growing up in Great Britain during uh, World War II. So that was all part of it. She also was in France for part of that time, which was fucking bonkers she um and then finally landed again in london at king's king's college with um maurice wilkins and the two of them were doing pictures x-ray radiology pictures of these helices or well dna but they Mm -hmm. didn't know what the shape was yet and meanwhile, you've got fucking Watson and Crick in the United States that were doing similar work. And then you had Linus Pauling that was doing similar work. Like, they were all, it was uh, The Race. Uh, oh, the Race right. to the Double Helix. Sure. Is, yes. I believe a book that uh-huh. you can buy and, and read. But a lot of those books, I do, do... remember
0: talking about that. In classes before yeah. about how a lot of that research was going on simultaneously.
1: Totally. And they weren't... The thing was, though, like, they... None of the books, none of, like, the history really um, portrays Rosalind Franklin as, um, like, as important as she actually was. Of and... Course. No, and, in fact, when Watson and Crick talk about her in any capacity, like, in the news or any of that, they talk about her like she was cold and, um, like, n- dowdy, and basically they shame her, slut shame her into looking like a lesbian, like this, and not, uh, and I mean that. Because they've you they used those words in mm-hmm. such a negative connotation. Right. Like, and she wasn't. She, she was not dowdy. She was, like, um, she, the wives of Watson and Crick have since, like, had since come out. And there's a great book called Rosalind Franklin. And uh, it, it's just basically backtracking, the author backtracks and is like, wait, 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 let's look at who this woman really was. Uh She used to take summer vacations with her whole family, like her dad and mom used to take all her brothers and sisters out to the Alps. They would do um, they were like pretty well off Jewish family in London um, they uh, were very well off and well to do, so they, she would have worn like some finery, like, well dressed and, and yeah, she would look great Uh, she like, she was famously like kind of a loner Mm -hmm. but she was also very science minded and her family encouraged her to be so. Um, She came from a long line of women who, though they encouraged her to get married, they also encouraged her to be her own person, which was very different than what many other um, families at the time were encouraging their kids to be and do, um, or their girls. Um, And so Anyway, they there and there are all these letters that she would write back to her family from the schools that she was at, and so you got a great, you get this great picture in this book Rosalind Franklin. You get this great picture of who she actually is, um, and it's so so very different than the unfeeling cold bitch that. Watson and Crick paint her as. And the reason why she did not divulge the photographs that she had to Watson and Crick outright is because she knew she wouldn't get the credit for them, and she wanted to be absolutely 100% certain without a doubt, and she wasn't. Even with the clear photographs that she had, namely Photograph 51, which was the clearest Uh. double helix that they had, um, they... She didn't divulge that. What happened was Maurice uh, Wilkins, her partner, basically went behind her back and sort of casually showed uh, James Crick or James Watson. One of those dudes' names was James. James what?
0: I think you're right. I think it's Crick. I don't care. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Am I allowed? I don't care. Sure. Um, and so... Anyway, they ended up getting the picture, and they were like, no, we know it. And they, they built a model. So the, the what they were racing towards was building a physical model of the double helix. Right. Um, and That's it,
0: fucking Bush it League. It
1: is Bush League, and it's just bonkers. Photograph 51 is a decent play. It's a little boring to sludge through. Cause
0: Man, it's, it's hard to write a good play about science. Mm-hmm. And it's such a bummer because there's so many stories like that. That should be interesting. I, are you... What's that fucking play called? I don't think I've ever I think I've... I think I saw like a stage reading of it or something. Um, it's... What's it about? Niels Bohr oh. and um, someone else. It's a name of a town. It's the name of a city. Copenhagen. Uh-uh. Is that what it's called? Yeah, I, I don't th- know. I think that's right. Ugh. I think that's what <laughs> I think that's what it's called. They did it in <laughs> they did it at Furman while I was on study abroad. Uh, because it's a really small cast and a lot of the department was on study abroad when I went.
1: So let me ask you, when you studied abroad, where did you go? I went to the UK. And did you have a boyfriend at the time? I didn't. You didn't? See, that's what I'm talking about, ladies. Do not have a boyfriend that prevents you from going places. <laughs> um, and I did a three week in the UK when I was in college. Cool. Uh,
0: where did you go? Um, so we kind of went all around. Furman Study Abroad kind of prides themselves on taking professors from the university on the trips uh-huh. so that all your credits transfer really easily and they are very, you know, aware of what all the. Uh, departments are doing it it was very cool very well organized we spent as a result of that we kind of got to go a lot of places because our professors just went with us so we were we were in dublin for three weeks and then we did a short tour of the uk uh for like a week and a half to two weeks we were in london for five then we spent two in stratford which was incredible and I mean, all of it was great, but that was just so specifically. It's so
1: beautiful. Like,
0: theatrically mm-hmm. and, yeah, gorgeous. Uh, so interesting. And then the last two weeks, everyone on the trip got to plan their own independent travel.
1: Mm, cool. Uh,
0: where I, And then on that trip, I, so I went on a day trip to Paris while we were in London. Mm-hmm. Or a, a weekend trip, I should say. Um, and then during the two weeks, I went to uh, Barcelona. Um, oh, the first week I went on this, like, we found this really inexpensive cruise that we did of the Mediterranean. Yeah. So we went to, it started in Venice and we went to, uh, Athens and, uh, Izmir, Turkey and Istanbul, Turkey, another city in, uh, a smaller city in Italy and uh Dubrovnik that's amazing
1: and Dubrovnik I've heard is um the American dollar goes far yeah yeah
0: there are a number of places on that part of the trip that we got because we we were there in 2008 Mm mm-hmm I found out about the, like, most depressing parts of the stock market crash while Mm. I was in the UK Mm. and while all of our exchange rates were total garbage.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, so that part of it really sucked. So we lived very simply because we were all pretty poor college students. But, I mean, it taught me a lot about getting by on stuff like that, you know, and still, and figuring out what kinds of experiences and things were worth it. Yeah. And, um... Uh, yeah, it it was, it was, it was super, super cool. And, uh, I think honestly, that's kind of what, like, (laughs) I think it's what put the nail in the coffin for me going to grad school for chemistry. Oh boy. Because I was just like, fuck, that was awesome. And I saw so much incredible theater in so many incredible places. And I was just like, I don't think I can. To, I don't think I can like devote myself to a lab for Ugh. you know however many years it would have taken for me to yeah get a master's degree and I just didn't want it bad enough.
1: Totally. I mean, I I kind of think that's what did it for me too. I only went for three weeks and I still am like yeah. <laughs> I, got, I got out of there and then I was like I'm gonna be. A great Shakespearean actor. (laughs) And then (laughs) I went to Minneapolis, Minnesota, because that's where you go to be a great Shakespearean actor. Of course. And I, and after like auditioning and auditioning, I ended up getting offered free classes at Brave New Workshop Theater in Minneapolis. Cool. Which is uh, an improv sketch theater. It's comparable to... Second City. Uh-huh. Uh, and I think
0: I've heard of Brave New Workshop. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They've been around since the 50s, since the late 50s. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and, yep. And that That's was it That's kind of what me. started it all. That was it.
0: <laughs> was that after you graduated?
1: That was, uh, yeah, that was after I graduated. I graduated oh mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah, and then I was in the Twin Cities. I did a two-week intensive in 2007 with the likes of, get this, that two-week intensive had... In... Chicago, in Chicago at Second City, Mary Kate Walthall, <gasps> Greg Ott, Jeff Murdoch, Phil Meister.
0: Oh my God! Um,
1: yeah, those are the ones that I'm the closest with. Anthony, uh, a guy named Anthony, who's from South Carolina. Who, really? Yeah. Who, uh, no longer does comedy in Chicago, but he he was here for a hot second and then left. Um. Who the fuck else was in that class? That's so a guy, crazy. Roger, who is now producing, um, like, TV shows in New York City. Um, crazy. Yeah, like a number of crazy bonkers.
0: But of course, people. if you're thrown in a group with those kind of people, yeah. you're just like, well, <coughs> this is what I'm gonna do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were, and we we're all
1: such nerds at that point. Sure. That we were all just like, Ugh. I
0: can't imagine what Jeff Murdoch was like. He was exactly like ago. you
1: would expect him <laughs> to be. He's the sweetest of sweethearts. I love him so much. Doesn't everybody? Yes, he's the sweetest.
0: You can't not. Yeah, you'd be an idiot not to. Right. If if you don't like Jeff Murdoch, you're wrong. Boom, I'm just, that's just how I'm going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: but yeah, and then I never became a marine biologist.
0: <laughs> Did you, but you your degree. Your degrees were in marine biology and theater.
1: Yes, and specifically, it's biology with a marine science like, like tag on or yes, whatever that is. Sure,
0: that was what we had to. Uh-huh. Uh, we didn't really have minors, but mm-hmm. you could like have a specific degree and then with a focus in blah exactly. blah. And that so. was yeah.
1: And I had to write that, so I, I ended up. That's having, crazy! I can't yeah. believe you
0: did that and double majored. That yeah. is so much work.
1: It was a lot of work, but it wasn't out of the realm of again, like guys, liberal arts colleges. It wasn't out of the realm of possibility, and sure. I loved all that stuff so much and so hard at the time that it was. It felt easy because it was just like I love doing all of it. Did um, you have to
0: do a lot of lab work?
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. we did. Yeah, a lot how did of you
0: balance all that? I found that to be absolutely exhausting to try to do theater at night with labs in the afternoon and. Yeah. There was just never time for shit. I feel like I didn't sleep when I was in college. Yeah,
1: I feel like I didn't either. Okay. It was really exhausting. Okay.
0: That and makes me feel no. better to hear because I was just like, <laughs> I don't know how anyone could have done that without yeah. just running themselves ragged.
1: I do feel like my sophomore year was a blur. Mm-hmm. Like it was just, and I don't know if that was, <laughs> I don't know if that's because of the alcohol. Hello. I mean, I did that too. You yeah. know, I
0: partied, which I'm sure was yeah. part of it, but uh, it, it was just, man, I can't, I wouldn't trade it for anything though.
1: No, I know, right? Yeah. I My, I mean, lab time was some of my favorite time. Yeah. We got to go, I mean, for those lake science classes. Yeah, this I was is like waders. why I, asked, I thought that would be. Yeah, it was like, I was in waders in the afternoon for three hours.
0: That's was, awesome.
1: This was great. I became a story in one of my classes because I was in the waders. We were in a river that had a... Uh, it was pretty high that year. It had a pretty huge undertow underneath, but we were doing, we were trying to get a bunch of larvae from the bottom of the riverbed mm-hmm. and we were down there doing it and I was dicking around cause that's who I am. And I was, I fell <gasps> and got water all up in my waders no. in the spring in Minnesota, No, which meant that I then had to take it off the waders and go sit in the van and wait for everybody. <laughs>
0: Lisa... Yeah,
1: but... Bummer. Bummer. <laughs> but now I know what happens if you fall into a river in waders, guys. The water fills your waders
0: and <laughs> you can't get up. That's what happens. That is what happens. And it's very, very it cold. makes me think of, like, you know, a Double Dare or whatever when they would have to wear those big pants and catch pies in them. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing more friend making than a double
1: dare reference. <laughs> <laughs> I did it. <laughs> Another thing on the list that can make your tummy hurt. A lot of pie. So much pie. I also got, um
0: recently well, I think too much makes my tummy hurt. <laughs> uh
1: the most recent thing I got that makes my tummy hurt are these uh vegan cookies that you can get at Whole Foods that are so they're not cooked. And they're uh, made with, like, special ingredients. Right. So they're just wads of cookie dough.
0: They're, like, dense. And
1: they're dense, and you can just eat them. Yeah. Like, that's how you <laughs> eat you these vegan? cookies. No. But <laughs> I saw these cookie dough things, and I was like, I want to I eat those. <laughs> I'm also addicted to sugar, so that's, yeah. something, that's something we can know. <laughs> I'm sure on a chemical level, it's no good for my body.
0: No. Uh, <laughs> no. No. Um uh so do you have you found yourself uh doing much in the science world post graduate level?
1: Oh, actually, yeah. So I worked at the Museum of Science and Industry for four years. Awesome. I almost, I almost said like, no, no, nope, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't really
0: at all. Except for those four Except years. Except for four years that I worked <laughs> at the museum. Uh, Except for almost half the time that I've been graduated <laughs> from college. Oh. <laughs> uh. Yeah,
2: I
1: did. And I, I mean, working on cruise ships, so I also worked on cruise ships for a few years that... Uh, I was on the ocean the whole time, right. and that was that amazing. makes perfect sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I
0: remember Erin uh, Land talked specifically about her love of the ocean mm-hmm, on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to say like a year ago, yeah, um, maybe even a little more than that at this point. And she said the same thing basically. Like when she did uh boat, she was like the only one of her cast who was like, guys. Look at this! Yes. Like, and everyone was like, "Yeah, we get it. It's cool." And she was like, "No, no!
1: Yeah. it's the ocean. Yeah, yeah. Totally." And that's—I I mean, if there's anything that I absolutely miss, it's that. And I can't—I don't think I can live in a city that doesn't have water next to it. Like, it's just—I'm a. I'm, my mom always used to say, "I'm a water baby." That's, that's just the way so I am. cute. But I like the i got to snorkel in alaska oh, which was crazy that's awesome they have the largest uh variety of starfish <gasps> in alaska did cool. you know that so they had the tiniest starfish which are like uh quarter quarter sized and then they also had they brought out a uh what are called oh my gosh dandelion starfish which are these great big starfish with 26 legs stop That's so cool. Yeah, it was really, really cool. And let me tell you an anecdote that they told us because I'm really excited about this. So they had uh, the fishermen who were crab fishermen, clearly, in Alaska. Uh, They were uh, fishing for crabs. So they have these big boxes that have a hole in the top and uh, some bait in the bottom. And the crabs crawl in and they get stuck. They can't get get back back out. out. So in, the, uh, in these crabs, things that eat crabs are, you know, blah, 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 starfish. Starfish eat crabs. And uh, these big starfish would lay themselves over the top of the cages and, and just, just like eat. have a buffet. That is crazy. So what was happening is the, the fishermen would pull up the cages. They would have these big starfish on top. And then they want to kill them because they don't want these starfish around anymore. So they'd slice them in half and throw them back in. And then they just
0: turn into two. So they double their problem. <laughs> so they were like. That is hilarious. Isn't
1: it? So anyway, that was the fun oh a fun anecdote. Oh my God. But also
0: like, fuck you, fishermen. Like, <laughs> yeah,
1: right? You little assholes.
0: That's so funny. Yeah. Man, I wish dolphins could do that. Am I right? <laughs>
1: Hello, Lisa Frank. <laughs>
0: Lisa, frankly, the situation in Japan is very sad. Oh, boy.
1: (laughs) Yikes, the cove. Hashtag Blackfish, hashtag, oh, my God.
0: It's crazy that that, uh, Blackfish has seemingly already had an effect on, I mean, it's not crazy. It should have happened, and it's not technically very surprising after watching the documentary. But it does seem to have had an effect on SeaWorld and its success and the... You know, now they totally. don't make the whales do tricks anymore, really? or something like that. I, yeah, I, to
1: be, I mean, they th- that shit cray. Like, they <laughs> just not, that. I mean, yeah. That th- if you have not seen Blackfish, the documentary, please go see Blackfish. The documentary, it's so, yeah. So good. Blackfish
0: and the cofer both uh, so upsetting.
1: And when you can see orca in their natural habitat, and it's way. Fucking cooler mm-hmm. to see them there. Yeah, which if you take an Alaskan cruise, you will see them. Like yeah. that's just you just As see part them. of the experience. Oh yeah. My God, Beth uh, Smith, I have to tell you, <laughs> we woke up one morning and there was. This is not about orca. This is about humpbacks. We went outside, and by we I mean I woke up <laughs> I woke up from a midday nap, and mm-hmm. it was like six p.m. So I went out on the deck seven of this cruise ship. And there were people lined up, like, filming. And I was like, what is going on? And looking out, no joke, there were humpbacks, like, as far as you could see. And they were breaching. So they were, like, jumping (gasps) out of the water and slamming themselves down. Because what they do is this behavior where they... They dive really deep underneath, and when there's krill, when there are krill in an area, they'll dive really deep, and then they'll blow bubbles through their baleen, and the bubbles float all the krill to the top, and then they'll shoot up out of the water and, and eat the eat krill on them. the way that they're coming up. And That's they, so
0: cool. It was so cool. I can't imagine this, like, seeing something like that. Oh, I've never seen anything like that.
1: It was so incredible. Like The ocean is such an amazing place. cool. I also so cool. watched a bear cross a bay once. Like, we straight up just, like, watched a bear swim across That's so a bay cool. to the other... It
0: was so cool! Yeah, I've, I did an Alaskan cruise when I was in, like, eighth grade, so it's hard to remember, but I remember... We went to Glacier Bay because we did the Inside Passage. Yeah. And that was incredible, you know, like you've never seen anything like that before. You're just surrounded by walls of glaciers. Yeah. Um, But also, I think we tried to keep track of, because I think we had to, I think it left from Seattle, but docked in Vancouver. Totally. uh,
1: Vancouver is one of the stops that they usually do.
0: Yeah. And I think we, like, drove back from Vancouver and, like, around... Throughout the whole trip, we try to like keep track of everything we saw. We saw like a moose, some elk, a bear. Like it was crazy. Whoa. Yeah, it, it's just like it's so easy to uh, close off that part of the world. You know, yeah. does that make sense? Totally. To just Do
1: you, uh, sorry to interrupt. Do you go camping?
0: I haven't in years. I like to, but I haven't really since I was growing up.
1: Yeah. Are I. Oh, I that just sparked this memory where I we woke up one morning. I was camping in the Rocky Mountains, and uh, with a boyfriend of the time. <laughs> uh, at shortly, least he yeah.
0: didn't stop you from going camping. He didn't. <laughs> <laughs> he made us go camping.
1: Um, <laughs> so we went camping, and you can get like a backcountry permit in the Rocky Mountains for at, at the time it was like forty bucks. I'm sure nice. it's still comparable now. Um, and. So we went for five days and what you do with, with a backcountry pass is you just sit down with a ranger and you tell them which campsites you think you can hike to every day. Mm-hmm. And then you, they know what nights you're gonna be at what campsites okay. so that. If you get lost or if you don't make they it back, they can try to find you. They'll find wow, me.
0: that's like kind of scary, but also it's good they have that kind of system. <laughs> totally right. <laughs> yes.
1: um, what was scarier to me, I think, w- were like all the warning signs about wildcats and about um, yes. mountain lions. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, I'm tiny and full of food for a mountain lion. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, this is a good discussion. How many mountain lions do you think you could feed?
0: Ooh. Well, to me, a mountain lion is one of those things that they eat something and then, or they, like, kill something or find something that's mm-hmm. dead and then just, like, eat the whole thing. Uh huh. Over the course of. I don't, that's. They're one of those animals <laughs> that, like, eats a lot all at once and then doesn't eat for a while, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So.
1: But, like, a hungry mountain lion, like, in one bu- sit. And, like, how many. How many mountain lions do you think you could feed in one sitting? Four. Full grown mountain lions? Yeah. Okay. Cool.
0: Maybe, yeah. Just saying like, I just feel like if four of them were around me, eating my dead body.
1: Yeah, yeah. Four. I just feel like
0: that would be like a good meal for all of them. (laughs) Because if you think about it, I'd be bigger than a lot of the things they'd probably be trying to eat. You know? Because I bet they eat. Small game, too. Yeah. It's like if they, you know, killed a raccoon, they'd be like, all right. Yeah. Meal. And I'm like, four raccoons. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and that's like something you know now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <where you're> like,
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I saw a post on Facebook today mm-hmm. that was just a picture of this woman. Standing next to a sign, and she looked real scared because the signs had a deer on it, and it, but it was like one of those caution signs. You know, it looked like a deer crossing sign, but then underneath that, it said, "Beware of falling deer." Jaguars like to put the deer that they kill into trees, and the sign said nothing about bewareing the jaguars. <laughs> And I was like, you know what? That is a very good point, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Yeah, yeah, that's a real thing I saw on the internet today. Because I
1: mean, maybe you wouldn't. That's the thing is, like, jaguars are elusive, so yeah, they probably wouldn't want to come out and be seen. Yeah. But
0: but they could probably fucking kill you and carry you up into a tree and eat you for sure. <laughs> for sure, they could.
1: If they could carry a deer up into a tree.
0: I'm like a third of a deer. <laughs> I'm a third of a deer, but I'm four. Raccoons. Four. Re- <laughs> <laughs>
1: I feel like I'm. I could be like a full fawn, like a like a fawn. Sure. Or um. I'm like, yeah, I'm like a third. I'm more than a third of a deer, though, but I'm not quite half. Two-fifths. There we go. Is it more than a third?
0: Yeah. Three-fifths? Wait. Three-fifths would be more than half. More than half. So, So yeah. Maybe not more than. Yeah. Two-fifths is more than a third. Oof, math.
1: (laughs) Yeah, guys. We've been out of college for a little while. We might be be science people, but like... (laughs) uh, Uh, Yeah, I... I think I could feed, um, I think I could feed one full grown mountain lion and like four cubs, like three or four cubs. Ooh. Okay. I think like if I were drugged back to a den. Okay. I had to think for a hot second what that was called. Nest. Yeah. <laughs> nest. cat nest. A cat know. nest. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> I always
1: think about like, um. When I think of animals falling out of trees, I think of snakes. Mm. I always worry about snakes. I'm not scared of snakes. I actually, like, really love snakes.
0: I'm not really specifically scared of snakes either. I yeah. don't like ants.
1: You're an an- you're you're like anti-ants.
0: Ant-i. <gasps>
1: is it because you grew up in the South? Do you guys have fire ants?
0: We do have fire ants. That is certainly part of it. Most of it is because I read the <laughs> Animorphs book series and there was a whole book where they turned into ants and it was (laughs) terrifying. They could not control those ants. One of them pinched another one in half and I was like, if humans can't control the brains of ants they could very well just take us all over. Like, it is a great fear of mine to just be like engulfed by them and like carried away because something about there only being one of something large is less terrifying than there being a lot of something very small.
1: That's te- that's really terrifying. I um had never experienced fire ants. And then I went up to Halifax on a cruise ship. Mm-hmm. And I was climbing all over some rocks by a waterfall because I was like, this is fun. Yeah. Turns out. No. I got fire ants. And because I was, I, things were biting me. I couldn't figure out what it was. It was these little ants. And I was like, why the fuck are these ants hurting? Because I'd never experienced fire oh ants before. Oh, my God. And I was like, this hurts. And... Uh, doing a little research apparently this specific rocky area is the only area like in Canada in the north at all where passengers from cruise ships or elsewhere have brought (sighs) somehow brought European fire ants to this specific area of Halifax. That sucks. It's a real thing. And I sat in a nest of fire. Animals. Oh,
0: that. My skin is crawling. Like, that is yeah. like a, my worst nightmare. It was terrible. Ugh, that is awful. Those fuckers. Fire ants are terrible. They yeah. like we. There were times when I was growing up, if the weather was right and it was the right time of year, where I could like walk outside into my yard and like count how many giant fire ant hills there were. Because South Carolina is also very, no- especially the Piedmont, mm-hmm. which is just like the middle section, is very notorious for like red clay. Oh yeah. Uh. So the um like. There was, like, red clay and then kind of, like, looser, red, sandy soil and then kind of, like, a topsoil. But all the fire ant hills were totally red because they would use all the, like, clay, clay and the sand, which was all red. Mm-hmm. So you could look out at a yard that, that was, like, you know, just looked like a normal brownish grassy yard and count, like, oh, fire ant hill, fire ant hill, oh, fire ant hill. It was terrifying. Awful. Yeah, yeah. And the worst was, like, I would hear stories of people's dogs. Because, like, you know, people have their dogs in their yards who would, like, roll around (gasps) in anthills and then just be, like, covered. And I was like, no. 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 And (laughs) why
1: would those dogs do that?
0: I mean, just, like, not... You know, if they're just like rolling on the ground to scratch their back, you know, sure. the normal reasons the dog would like, like, dig in a yard or roll around in a yard, but they would just like do it in an anthill. It's
2: like some stupid dog. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I will say, none of our dogs ever did that. <laughs> <laughs> we had, um,
1: we had German shepherds growing up, and our dogs once got into a porcupine. <gasps> So we... Like Homeward Bound? Like Homeward Bound. He and bit me with his butt! It was terrible! <laughs> it was so, so terrible because the dog came back and uh, porcupines have like venom, a little venom in the tips of their, those spines or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so her and little face, face was all, was all swollen. Swollen. It was so <laughs> awful. Oh, it was so terrible. <laughs>
0: That's so sad.
1: Yeah, it was the worst.
0: Uh, well, so... Uh, when you were we talked a decent amount about like this the uh, animal life and science of living on a cruise ship. Uh-huh. What was your experience like working at the Museum of Science and Industry? Oh yeah, do you think it was like fun or were there times where you just like, Ugh. I mean, there's probably a little bit of both.
1: Yeah, yeah, all of the above. Mostly super fucking fun because the job that I had was called Facilitator Three position, so which no longer exists. That job no longer exists because they. I don't know why. They got rid of that whole section of the museum that does the shows. Mm -hmm. So there are no longer really science shows that you could see anymore. Oh, bummer. So they used to do a chemistry show where we would uh, blow up a hydrogen... And a hydrogen oxygen balloon. Yes. And, like,
0: light it on. Yes. It was cool. Yes.
1: So fun. That was the
0: kind of, like, when I went to summer camps, I didn't, I wasn't, like, a year, I wasn't, like, a summer long summer camp kind of girl. I was, like, a go to this one for two weeks, go to this one for one week. Like, I kind of hopped around. A a soccer camp. A Girl Scout camp. Uh But I went to a couple of different science camps. And some stuff that I saw there, like, to this day is still stuff that I'll be like, guys, did you know?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Because, like, those are, I I mean, those are the real learning moments Mm -hmm. when you can see it in front of you and then you, like, learn the science behind Mm -hmm. it. It's so fucking cool. Um, Yeah.
0: We would, uh, there was a gas line in one lab and I subsequently i think did this at some point when i was in college which is probably pretty dangerous but whatever <laughs> there's a gas line in one of the labs as as there are in, in any chemistry lab really um and the teacher like soaped up his hands and just like you know put a bunch of soap in all over his hands uh-huh. and then put a little puddle of soap uh soapy water in the middle of his hand yeah. and blew a big bubble. Into the middle of his hand with the gas line, and then lit the bubble on fire. <laughs> and I was like, "Yes, yes! he's holding fire." <laughs> yeah, I mean that's like it was so. It stories like that that I still remember that are like, "Oh yeah, of course I went into chemistry." You know, yeah.
1: well that's just it is like the, those things, especially chemistry or physics. Like those are the real hands-on. Like mm-hmm. You get to do some shit in mm-hmm. those sciences. Um, we used to. At the museum, some of my favorite days were after work. We would have test days for new experiments for cool. the chemistry show. Or, like, uh, for the Halloween show, we would put a, a hydrogen balloon inside a pumpkin and we would carve the, pre-carve the pumpkin, but we would leave the shapes in the pumpkin so it looked like <sighs> a full pumpkin. So we called it a self-carving pumpkin. So then we would put a hole in the back of it, put the balloon inside, and then we'd light the balloon and it would blow, blow the all the uh, bits um, out. That
0: sounds so awesome i cannot imagine being a kid and watching that happen <laughs> right holy shit that's so cool it was really really and it, cool. it would blow it out with fire yes with
1: fire <laughs> and yeah so we had um, that's awesome yeah and it made a huge noise because it's in that big echoey chamber of the museum sure so it like was super loud and awesome um and then so we got to do that i also while at the museum got to like create science shows with the, we have this big six by six foot carbon fiber sphere. That was the science on a sphere. Um, so it, we could display an earth on it, or you could display cool. a number of different planets or, but all of them, all of the images that we had were brought by um, NOAA, the National Oceanographic and Atmospheric Administration. Cool. So you could um, download new images for the globe. And so I got to create uh, an earthquakes show and um, talk to kids about, like, how all the tectonic plates Tectonic plates could. work, yeah. And how, like, how it's still pretty impossible to... Um, to uh what's that predict. like predict thank you that word <laughs> i'm like what's the that's okay. word i was like forecast that's not right yeah yeah um to predict an earthquake um but it was really really fun i got to do th- and i got to do that show for a uh, nasa conference that we had we had like, awesome a teachers conference where we had nasa people and NOAA people and it yeah it was just such a cool experience to work at the museum um, that's very cool and And it was because I had a biology degree and also um, I had worked as an F1, a facilitator one, on the floor doing tours for a while. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I'm
0: sure those, I'm sure that kind of uh, academic background would be exactly the thing they would be looking for when they were hiring people.
1: Yeah, not to mention it's. The um, only building left from the World's Fair of 1893. That's right. Yeah. So my
0: friend, Charlie Carroll, uh, I was going to say, who I think you know, uh, did the podcast about Chicago history. And he told me about that during that episode.
1: It's the coolest. Yeah. Like that particular building is just breathtaking to go. It's all,
0: it's just like a white, like marbly facade. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's uh, In the back of it, you can still see the Japanese gardens, which have plants that were planted in there in 1893 that, like, they just kept the garden growing. and so No they, way. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. That's awesome. And they also have a big lagoon back there where they used to have, um, like, during the World's Fair, they would have uh, gondoliers come up to the back of that building because it used to be the arts, the fine arts. Uh, building, it uh-huh. was it, just like such a historic, cool fucking building. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, it was really neat to work in the largest science museum in the Western Hemisphere for a while. That's um, so cool. Yeah, and then yeah, and then of course the cruise ships. Like 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 I said, I got to go snorkeling a whole bunch, and um, yeah, snorkeling in Alaska, and of course, like did my fair share of shell picking and. Mm-hmm exploring so that's awesome it was really really fun that's so cool i love
0: when people are able to kind of uh i think this show has shown me a lot of time like instances where people are able to incorporate things that they're really passionate about into their lives uh out you know not necessarily kind of like with Within being a performer and outside of being a performer, Mm -hmm. uh, because that's most of the people that (laughs) I get to do, but I guess I I like to say uh, within being a creative, you know, because sometimes I do, you know, I've had uh, my friend Kevin Budnick would never, you know, really think of being a performer, but he's a great comic artist, you know, and uh, all the things that he loves and talks about influence is being a comic artis- artist just as much as all this other stuff influences us as, you know, stage performers.
1: Totally. Well, and I do kind of feel like, I feel like the way I approach comedy is a lot like the way I approach science, which is with um, experimentation and thought and repetitive action and hypotheses. And it was really cool being able to do those cruise ship shows for that reason because yeah. – um, for example, there's a, a song called awkward, right? So uh, I'm socially awkward. Yeah. I think I've seen that. Yeah. Right. So, uh, you sing through the awkward song at the very end of it. It's like, and we're all awkward and they end the song. And then there's a long pause where we're all just left out there to like hang for a little bit to uh-huh. be awkward for uh-huh. a while. And um, on one of the ships, it got to be my job to sort of cut that off. So it was the most fun to like cool. experiment with the timing Yeah, of what that is. Um, There's also a great experiment you can do at home, listeners, <laughs> with the Kristen Shawl is a horse video. Um, it's this video of just Kristen Shaw and her writing partner. I cannot remember his name. But he I know they, who you're
0: talking about, but I'm not gonna remember his name either.
1: Totally. They they did this bit and you can look it up on YouTube where they're like Kristen Schaal is a horse, everybody can see she's a horse. Everybody can see she's a
0: horse. Kristen Schaal is a horse and they started <laughs> yeah, over. I was gonna say I bet it's some sort of flat pattern.
1: Yeah. It's just repetitive and, and she just runs around and plays like a horse Actually, like a horse it's really dumb um but you can count when the laughs happen it's like they happen like at one three seven nine it's all the odd ones uh-huh. but then there's a long break but then they happen again like of it's course. really cool of you can course. time it out it's really fantastic. A, a
0: horse is a horse of course of course <laughs> uh, she's a comedian folks hello <laughs> yeah i mean i that's so funny yeah i remember uh uh, so, like similarly I, some of my favorite comedy uh are is moments like that yeah. are like seeing how long something can go on and when it stops being funny and when it starts being funny again yeah. um family guy I think. Ex- right funny. yes yeah. i that's so funny because i thought the same thing but ah, yeah, what do you, is me. yeah. Ah, <laughs> that is so funny yeah. it's so simple and yeah. it's so funny um uh, I I I loved that bit in college. Like even before I thought about what like patterns were and things like that, you know, before I really had studied improv in the same way that I have now, mm-hmm. which sounds like such a like, eh, before I studied improv, you know. <laughs> but like, fuck off. That's yeah. what we do. Yeah. Um. Uh. My I had a professor who was this. He was like. Uh, An older gentleman, but just really weird and interesting and smart and funny, but in weird, interesting ways and not necessarily very traditional ways. He also loved magic. Like, I'm sure if he and uh, Nick Napier don't, like, know who each other is because of what, you know, how much they both are involved in the, like, magic communities, then I'm certain they would, like at least be very interested with one another and be able to carry out very interesting conversations. Um, But he was just like this nice old uh, professor that we had. I took his lighting design class, and it was really fascinating um, because he would speak about lighting design in this beautifully artistic way. But when I was directed by him on a couple of different occasions, um, he would always do this speech either like... During tech week or like right after the show had opened, teaching people about how to deliver lines while people are laughing. And he was like, the gist of it was essentially when you deliver a line that is going to receive laughs, hopefully, (laughs) hopefully. Um. There's a wave of laughter, and he would always use his hands to demonstrate. So I'll do that for Lisa, but yeah. obviously the listeners won't be able to do that. But that he was, he would be like, "There's a wave of laughter, and at some point you should be able to sense when the peak of that laughter is. And once you feel that peak starting to crest over, that's when you deliver the next line. Totally. And he would always just like punctuate it in this very specific like you said, scientific way, yeah, and it made perfect sense, and I've, like, never forgotten it, yeah. because he's like, if you let it dip all the way back down and try to deliver another line, then you have to pick them right back up into yeah. the next line, but if you catch it on, like, you know, just after that crest, then they're only, you know, then they only have to go back up from there to laugh again, basically. Yeah. And uh, but you're still not stepping on the laugh. You, uh, uh, like, you know, alternatively, if you deliver it while they're still on the like reaching the peak of laughter, then you stop it because yeah. they want to try to hear what you're saying. And they're like, oh, I well, guess I'll stop laughing. You yeah, know? Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. That's great. What a cool visual, too, where mm-hmm. for those of you that couldn't see, she was doing like a, a graph with her. Yeah. Hands yeah. It's like then, a sign graph. Yeah. It's a mm-hmm. sign graph. And on the way back down. Hit with that other hand. That's good. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's, <laughs> it's with it. like I
0: said, man. It's like it's really hard not to forget something like that, especially if someone like you and I who has sort of like an analytical leaning to yeah. the way that we see creativity. Uh, for before I uh, before I ask the last question, because yeah. I think this is a great time for that, just uh-huh. because we're kind of starting to get into the these crosshairs. Um, is there anything where science is concerned, or where your experience in science? Uh, is concerned that you'd feel remiss if you didn't mention like anything coming in and thinking about well, if I talk about science, I definitely want to mention this.
1: Oh, I think Rosalind Franklin was my thing. That's in. good Cause I just because it's on it's so fresh on my mind right mm-hmm. now, um, and I think about her a lot just in the last few years. It's come in and out, I and gotta,
0: I gotta, I gotta read yeah, one of these books or read gotta. this play or something.
1: Yeah, um. And if you'd like, I have some of those books that you can borrow or this play, uh, I can leave it with you. Um, but yeah, photograph 51 Rosalind Franklin and do read. I mean, I also highly recommend, uh, the Watson and Crick book that's called discovering DNA. Uh Uh, cause that one too is, it's good to read to see what they say about Rosalind Franklin. Um, Just to sort of counteract what, how she actually is or was. That's Um, interesting. Yeah. Because she, the, the, also, I mean, something else that's very profound about her is that she died at age 37, 38. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Like just before her 38th birthday or on her 38th birthday, something like that. Because, uh, because of all the radiation she was exposed to. I was going to say,
0: is this like a Curie thing? Yes. (laughs) It is. She had,
1: um. She had tennis ball-sized cysts in her uterus. Girl, yeah, dude. Yeah, girl. But she was trying to get that perfect photograph. Good for her. Yep. Oh, man.
0: Uh, so. On a downer note. <laughs> yeah, oh. on a downer note. <laughs> um, and I we already have gotten into this a little bit, but I know that you can elaborate and kind of uh, tie, tie a ribbon on um, here at the end. How do you feel like... Uh, that your love of science influences you creatively and your life as a whole.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um I think it definitely inspires how I approach my creative projects. Mm-hmm. So I definitely look at a project um from I, I look at the grand scheme of sort of how I want to get it done or what I want to accomplish at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um and then I also have a tendency to, like, need a director. I need someone, like, in charge of it. So it's like sure. I need a direction of it. Sure. Um, and then from there, the experiment can happen. So from there, it's like, okay, well, this is what I want to happen. And then this is the outcome that I think will happen. You know, I kind of go through a lot of those steps throughout my creative processes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, th- I think, like... It also it is how I, like, when I see, like, an improv team or something and I think of group mind, I think of it in the way of hive mind. Like, that's, science is often how I associate my creative endeavors. I right? love so that. So, that's, like, how I understand the world. Sure. I think, um, and I also think... Both in science and creatively, we're always asking why, and I think <laughs> that's the most important question. So, I think that's... I love that. Yeah. Um, that's how science has inspired me creatively. <laughs> I think
0: that's a wonderful answer. Yeah. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. This, this is has so been fun.
0: a total blast. I can't wait to continue to work with
1: you yeah me too um at the end of this is there anything else that you can think of that makes your tummy hurt that Uh, you're like "Um."
0: honestly like this is a weird answer kind of but the last two times that i've gotten really sick like i uh needed i was like um like would sit down and be like ooh. I don't feel good and would just, like, go to the bathroom and throw up. Um, both involved soft pretzels and large <laughs> amounts of processed cheese. <laughs> so I'm starting to think that there's a correlation here. That, like, I didn't throw up for a really long time. And then twice in two months, I've thrown up after I've eaten Large amounts of soft pretzel type bread and some sort of processed melted cheese.
1: Not where I thought it was going. So. Where- <laughs>
0: um, scientifically, I can analyze this situation and say... Soft pretzel type breads oh. and large amounts of <laughs> melted cheese. <laughs> Be careful out there,
1: folks. Be careful.
0: Lisa, I love you. I mean that.